because as you know, in practice, practice is not for everybody. It's for the quarterback. That's what people don't understand. You build a practice (laughs) plan for the quarterback. You don't build a practice plan for all these other positions because if the quarterback plays well, the team's going to play well. That's just the way it works. Welcome to 90% Mental and the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with all-pro quarterback Jake the Snake Plumber and mental performance coach Grant Parr, where the mental game is discussed and discovered by the best quarterbacks and offensive-minded professionals in the business. From overcoming adversity, celebrating mental wins, to actionable mental skills strategies, and more, you'll learn how to mentally navigate in and out of the pocket. Today in the pocket... Jake and Grant sit down with Hugh Jackson, NFL football coach, to tap into Coach Jackson's 30-year coaching career and on the importance of coaching the mental game. Not only does Jake reminisce with Coach Jackson about their days at Arizona State University, but they discuss the importance of leadership, visualization, and why repetition is the mother of all learning. Ready List Sports is the future of sports playbooks with its digitized integration of multiple learning styles that helps coaches teach better and players learn more efficiently. Engineered by former professional quarterbacks, Ready List Sports' revolutionary play drawing tool will save coaches countless hours creating plays. Ready List Sports also provides the players accessibility to study their playbooks using the Ready List Sports app for iOS and Android. It's like having the playbook in your pocket. The best part of ReadyLists are the auto-generated tests the players take after studying that help ensure retention of your plays. Now let's all huddle up and go visit ReadyListSports.com. Welcome back to the In and Out of the Pocket podcast with Jake the Snake Plumber and myself, Grant Parr. And we're super excited to bring not only guests that are Quarterback, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, head coaches to talk about the mental game. What's up, Jake? How are you? I'm good, Grant. Uh, like I said, man, excited to keep rolling out, no pun intended there, rolling out this podcast and uh, informing the masses uh, of, of what it takes to be a quarterback. Mindset, overcoming adversity, and uh, you know, a little bit of fun on the side. And It's been fun for me to reach out and find guests, and one of the guests, our guest today, uh, is one of my all-time favorite coaches. Uh, it really did amazing, amazing uh, transformation for me in college, working with him for uh, sadly just one year, but enough uh, in one year that it made a mark on me for the rest of my career. And I'm excited today to have none other than uh, a great coach, uh, a, a good buddy, and uh, a lot of people out there will know this name and understand why we're having him on the show to talk about quarterbacks, and that's Coach Hugh Jackson. What's up, Coach? Hey, not much. I'm really excited to be on you guys' show. And obviously, Jake, it's always a pleasure to have an opportunity to converse with you and, and uh, see all the beautiful things that you're attempting to do. I appreciate that, Coach. You know, it's been a long time back. Uh, I, I can think back to that time between my sophomore and junior year when I got the privilege to get coached by you. And uh, I say this with, with true all trueness that that year was like the year – in the off season that I went from 
I was a scrambling, scrappy, tough quarterback, but I actually looked the part after that offseason, and I was able to think on a higher level. And, and I remember we spent countless hours dropping back on the mezzanine there in the Sun Devil Stadium and working out hard and, and get it, getting it going. And uh, I thank you for that because I, I was able to then quiet my mind uh, with my footwork. Is that something that, you know, with me – you know, you were a running back coach before you were a QB coach. Did you carry that on and do that with any other of your of your quarterbacks that you worked with, you know, as far as just honing in on their footwork and their smoothness on the drop and preparing to throw at the top of it? Absolutely, Jake. I think uh, those are the ABCs of playing quarterback because if your feet not aren't right, it's hard to make any throws. So um, when I think back to uh, Joe Flacco, when I think back to Andy Dalton, that, that has always been my mentality is to make sure a guy's feet is working with his body so that he puts himself in the best position to throw the football. That is the key uh, for sure. You know, Coach, you, you bring up uh, a few awesome quarterbacks. Now, throughout your career, you've, you've, you've worked with you know people like Jake, Carson Palmer, Byron Lefwich, Joe Flacco, Robert Griffin, Andy Dalton, I mean, incredible names. Now, when you look at their mental game, is there a similarity that you can identify amongst all of those elite quarterbacks? You know, it's really amazing because they're all different. You know, um, I think they all chase the same goal, but I think they're all different in the mental aspect of it on how they um, interpret the game, how they see it, how they prepare for the game. So they're, they're, they're a little bit different. They're chasing the same goal, which is winning and playing really, really well at a high level. But there's different things that unlock the mental aspect for a quarterback, and I think we all know that. Yeah, and talking mental side, when I mentioned it earlier about having a quiet mind, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that being able to get out and play with, with as little as possible of thinking as far as, like, secondary things like fundamentals um all fundamentals and coaching aside what what traits when you're looking at a quarterback and say you have a couple or two three guys battling out what traits do you look for in a quarterback that really can set one apart from the other if their skill sets are similar what do you look for when you're you're trying to make that decision to hand the reins over to the guy that's going to lead your team i think jake uh and grant it comes from a guy as he pinpoint accurate and can he perform under pressure? Because this is a pressure-packed position, the most important position in all the pro sports when it comes to, in my mind, any sport. Um, and can that guy really survive when it's a pressure-packed environment? And does he have the ability to overcome things when there's negatives, when things don't go as well? And those are the things that will separate for me quarterbacks among themselves yeah and coach you brought it up the quarterback we all know and, and i guess we, we all believe this that the quarterback position is one of the hardest positions in all of sports and you're talking a little bit about pressure what do you think from your perspective all the coach all the quarterbacks that you've worked with what do you think are some of the mental traps that you've seen that quarterbacks get caught into that affects their their performance negatively Well, I think Jake said it a second ago. If you don't have a quiet mind, that means your head is all over the place and you're thinking and you're paying attention or listening to all the negative. You know, you have to be able to play this game at a higher level 
than even I think most think that you play it at because as he said, the fundamental piece of it, that's why you work so hard in the off season and you have that little individual period that just puts you back in the right mindset of what you need to do. All the other pieces, when the defense is coming at you, when uh, the secondary is shifting and when the coaches are screaming at you and, and when receivers are making bad, running bad routes, if you don't have a quiet mind, all those things will affect you negatively, which ultimately doesn't give you a chance to play at a high level on game day. Hey, Coach, I know you grew up uh, around sports. I mean, you, you've been coaching for a long time. What, uh, what was it that drew you to being a coach that made you want to get into this uh, form of work that, you know, obviously is not easy, uh, takes you around a lot of places. You've got to have a strong family. You're all over working on different teams here and there. What was it that got you into coaching? Why did you decide to jump into being a football coach? You know, Jake, I was told when I was in high school, I was always the coach of our high school team at won a city championship because we were without a coach for about six months. And so I acted as if I was the, the head coach and the quarterback at the time. And I, I knew I had the ability to lead men, to get men to follow me and do the things, the hard things that I thought it took to be successful. And that's what I saw in myself. And I truly believed in that. And I loved the game of football. And so it just all came together for me. And then obviously you see the other high school coaches, uh, college coaches and pro coaches who have influenced me. And I'm like, well, I want to be what they are and then better than what they were. So that's what pushed me over into coaching. Yeah, Coach, speaking of coaching, uh, I want to talk about your your pet peeves. Uh, Because I know when I played, when I was playing football, one of my pet peeves, and I think we've all seen this with, with players, is having a wide receiver telling me not only on the sideline but also in the huddle that they're they're open and throw the ball to me, throw the ball to me. That used to be my pet peeve. It used to get under my skin. So what is that one thing when you're working with quarterbacks, that, that one pet peeve that gets under your skin when you're working with quarterbacks? There's two things that really drive me up a wall is the turnovers <laughs> and repeating, repeating the same mistake over again. You know, because I truly believe repetition is the mother of learning. So in my world, I'm going to put them in enough situations and give them enough repetition so that on game day that is easier for them, that it shouldn't be harder, it should be easier. So uh, that, that are, that's two things that really burn. Don't turn the ball over <laughs> and don't repeat the same thing. <laughs> what, what about uh, in today's coaching and in today's uh, the changing environment around football, as far as practice time and those repetitions you're speaking of, a uh, great quote, by the way, repetition is the mother of learning. How, how do you overcome those obstacles now um, as a coach trying to find ways to create extra time? I know that when you have a hungry player, you don't have to tell them to be in the office, but uh, just having the limited amount of time that you get with these guys in the offseason to really coach them, how do you overcome those obstacles? Well, I think you just said it, Jake. You mentioned hungry players. So I think it's so important that you put, you, you draft or you acquire the right players that fit your vision, you know, and how you see it. And you just said it, playing quarterback in a National Football League is hard. So you got to do more than anybody and everybody in the organization. And if you don't have a guy who's willing to burn the midnight oil that way, whether it's from a mental standpoint or a physical standpoint, then it's not going to work. You know, I don't care how much the coach knows, 
I don't care what kind of environment he creates. If the player doesn't want to do it, then it won't work. So I have to, you know, draft and acquire like-minded players with the, the same type of hunger and thirst to be great that I have. And then you're able to get those guys to take that on themselves and run with it. Because as you know, in practice, practice is not for everybody. It's for the quarterback. That's what people don't understand. You build a practice plan for the quarterback. You don't build a practice plan for all these other positions because if the quarterback plays well, the team's going to play well. That's just the way it works. Totally. I love well that. Said. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put on my, my mental performance hat. I, I'm actually a mental performance coach. And, and so when we think about these strategies and techniques, visualization, we hear that all the time. And, how important do you think it is for a quarterback not only to visualize their performance, their skill, but the game plan? And how much do you push that when you actually are working with quarterbacks? A ton. That's 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 the battle right there. That's the other side of it that when Jake mentioned, how do you get these guys up to speed? The mental part of playing the game in your head even when you're not in the game, it could be on the, on the, tr on the plane ride to where we're going to play. It could be two hours before the game. And hopefully it's been every night of the week before you get ready to play that the player has played the mental game inside of his head over and over and over from a formation, from a uh, coverage, from a blitz, from a potential look in a front or, secondary that he's going to have to deal with because that's where you get the extra reps at. You know, it's funny. Uh, visualization was something I did a ton. Like I said, coach, whenever you got a moment and you're going through your plays, I mean, back in the day, the, the process was, was uh, cumbersome to draw the plays out formations and then check them and watch film. But when I would visualize, it was pretty funny. I couldn't sit straight and just look forward. I had to turn my head to look over my left shoulder. Like I was taking a drop. And uh, I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever had any other quarterbacks do that, but that's the only way I could do it. If I looked forward, it was like, all right, I'm under center. But as soon as I had to go through the read, I had to turn my head to the left so that I could see it like you would if you were dropping back. And uh, kind of a funny thing, but, but yes, visualization is huge. Um, you know, the one thing I think that the most important thing for quarterbacks, as I learned through my career, uh, getting, <laughs> as you know, getting allowed some, some, uh, very long chain, long leash to make mistakes, to learn from them and hopefully not repeat them when I was at ASU and even through the pros. But what are some of the, what are some of the ways you help uh, your quarterbacks? What are some things you might say to them to help them overcome some, some tough moments? Because we all have them, you know, bad practice or a bad game or balls in your hand and you don't come through in the end. What do you do as a coach to uh, encourage those guys? Because when I think back, you were always so positive with me but as you've evolved as a coach, what are your go-tos to keep your kid, kid's head on straight? Well, I think that was the key. I think um, positive affirmation is always the best way. And if a guy did make a mistake, I wanted him to be able to tell me why. And if he couldn't tell me why, and then it told me that he didn't truly understand, that means I didn't do a good enough job. So normally what I've tried to do with players who struggle that way, I tried to take it on myself take that responsibility because that's the mental piece that brings every quarterback to his needs. First of all, he doesn't believe he has somebody that truly believes in him. And number two, when it goes bad, it's always the player's fault. So there is a time when it is the player's fault. If we haven't put in enough of the work, 
if we haven't got through enough of the detail for him to be successful. Because if you give me a player, I got to find a way to make it work. And uh, the player has to be willing, but I got to pull it out of him. So I think it's so important, you know, for coaches who are dealing with players to be as positive as you can. There are some players where positive doesn't work with them, and then you have to be negative. You have to call them on their crap, you know, and get them to do it right. But at the same time, I still believe the positive way is the best way. It's a way to build a lasting relationship. I think when it's all negative all the time, you know, there's all these guys that say, well, later on, the guy will understand me. He'll come back and say, thank you for, for killing me, blah, 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 blah. I think that's a bunch of crap. You know, I think you build relationships. You don't, don't tear down men. You build them up. You give them the best opportunity to be successful. Then if they can't do it, they will be able to know that they can't do it, you know, and it kind of works itself out. Well, you know, coach, you brought up affirmations, which, um, I love because when I'm working with athletes, I talk about and working with other quarterbacks, I, I call it champion talk. Like, h- how do we talk as champions? And what are the things that you say and you don't say? And it's really interesting when you go through some exercises and you're getting these athletes to literally write down these affirmations. It sounds weird and mundane and forced at the time, but man, like when coach or when quarterbacks truly need to affirm themselves or need to actually access this, this kind of talk, when shit is going crazy, where it's like adverse times, when things are chaotic, they need to know what their their library is of words. So I, I, I teach this champion talk and affirmations. I think it's huge. And I also think that language, like you're talking about building relationships with athletes and getting into the heart of these athletes. I mean, it, it comes with language. So when you think about leadership and, and, and having the leaders that you want on your team, what, what kind of qualities do you look for in a quarterback from a leadership standpoint? Well, first of all, let me say this to you. You're absolutely positively 100% correct about the self-talk because it's not going to always be positive. You got to have enough strength as a player to pull yourself out of the rut. And what I've learned from players is when they're around coaches that they truly respect, they start taking on the coach's verbiage. Mm. You know, I don't know if you've seen that. You know, every now and then you'll see a coach says, okay, get back. You know, whatever those terms are, it might be, hey, let's get the next one, move on to the next one, whatever that is. Players start saying that to themselves. And they're able to lift themselves up because we've given that, that kind of language all the time that now they're able to use it in that environment when it's not going as well. So those are the things that I've seen players do. Um, I've tried to create that environment, you know, and it's almost sometimes the play caller for the quarterback. He's his biggest help. When you know a guy's struggling and you've got this game plan and you put him in position, well, maybe the defense is not, you know, taking some things away. It is, it is paramount for that, that coordinator to now put his quarterback in a position to get back to having success. It might be just turning and handing the ball off. It might just be throwing a hitch or a quarterback movement or throwing a screen, whatever that is that get this guy back upright to where he needs to be. That's what you do. And so you talk about those things. You have that dialogue and that conversation with your quarterback. And he might tell you, well, when things are not going as good, man, I sure like to throw a slant. You go call that slant. You put him right back to where he needs to be. I think that is so important. Huge. Uh, that's funny you said slant. I was just about to say, 
Call the slant, coach. I'll get back <laughs> in my rhythm because throwing the slant was like I love ripping that thing in there right off that linebacker's ear hole, and sometimes you know just squeezing it in that that hole. Talking yeah. a lot about QBs and traits and coaching them, and who, I, I got a two-part question. The first one is is uh, who who in in your career name some some of the competitors were for their team. Also, the first answer to your question, and no, again, I'm not saying this because he's on this show. The team looked to you that way. You were the catalyst for the Arizona State Sun Devils football team. Up through the Rose Bowl, the whole nine yards, that's who you were. And I didn't have to make you do that. You had that in you. I just had to create an environment for you to be the best version of yourself. I think that's Mm -hmm. so important when you have a guy who sees the game, not just at his position, you started to grow and see the game at everybody's position. You understood in order for to have a good offensive football team, all of the parts had to work together and you were willing to pull, prod, push on whatever player to make sure we had results. Well, that's what the great ones do. That That's, that's what they do. And that's why you were a great player. And then when I think about the guy that's playing in the National Football League today that just shows everything that I would look for on a quarterback is Tom Brady. I mean, the guy is ultra competitive. He doesn't like to lose. He will get after everybody, not just players, but coaches too. He has an accountability factor that I think is so important from himself to his players and from his players to him, from him to his coaches and from his coaches to him. That's where winning, that's where winning is fostered at. That's how it happens. And if you can create that, and if you have a guy that has all those other characteristics that I've seen Tom Brady have, I've seen Jake Plummer have, then you have a chance to have a winning quarterback. Well, thank you for those words, Coach. I appreciate that. And I didn't ask that to get get you to talk about me, but uh, oh, I know I, you did. But that's just the truth. I appreciate that. I didn't know what I was doing back then, except just I wanted the ball, I wanted to play, I wanted to win, I just wanted to do it right, man, and take advantage. So. Uh, appreciate those nice words. And you did. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> you know, and I want to echo that. And I, and again, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying this because he's my co-host and he's a friend of mine, but because this, you know, I think we all can kind of go back to this moment. But when you talk about a competitor, an elite quarterback, especially, and I'm going to bring you up, Jake, when you played in the Rose Bowl. And I remember it was the week after I actually got an introduction to Jake and we were talking. And then for some reason, I'm in this bar and I'm watching the repeat of the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. And I've watched Jake play his whole career. His whole career. I know the type of quarterback that he was, tenacity, the competitor that he was, uh, you know, willing to actually sacrifice his body. But, man, in that game, not only did I see him sacrifice everything, everything out on that field, I saw the way he was on, on the sideline. He was, like, almost borderline possessed. Like, he was so dialed in and, and focused <laughs> And, and I think that's like, I don't know, I'm not saying that we don't see that. I mean, I see that in Tom Brady for sure. What are the quarterbacks that you've coached that has that, that intensity that is just so dialed in from the beginning to the game to the end of the game? I've coached a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe was that way. Joe was that way, but it was different, you know. And um, I, I mean, I, I think every quarterback has it, but you just said the key thing that is dialed in from the beginning to the end. There's guys who start really good and they then they, they're gone. You know, their mind wanders someplace else. Or there's guys who don't start as good and then the second half, here they come. 
that's why there's only so many of these elite quarterbacks in the National Football League that can handle the pressure of 70 snaps of doing things at a high quality level, snap in and snap out. That's, that's what the problem is because there's, you, you said it earlier, there's a mental piece that guys can't overcome that barrier. You know, there's, 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 I've had a quarterback and I won't say who, who told me, he said, coach, I would get to the line of scrimmage in the second half. And it was like, they had 13 or 14 defenders and two of them were talking to me in my head. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He could not. And so he would end up turning the ball over, you know, to the other team. And I mean, wide open throws that he would just miss and you go no way. And it, and it, and it showed him showed itself all the time in the second half of games. And it was amazing just tracking it and watching it. You almost knew when it was coming, you could feel it. So I had to know. So in order to help him, I had to change the strategy of what I was asking him to do because it was hurting the football team. You know, as you've gone, Coach, you've had, you've had a, a, an awesome career. You've had a few moments that were pretty good that, that I think were, were short-lived, too short. And you had a couple tough years in Cleveland. Um, I was on some tough – had some tough years in Arizona myself, you know, putting your heart and soul into something and, and not coming through, not winning, not, not you know, performing while you're there. What are we there for? To win, right? And during that time, I know it had. I know it was tough on you. I know it was hard because uh, you coach in a certain way, and I and I know you don't change. You try to stay the same. Um, what What were some of the? I mean, was there a, a mantra or a, or a statement or a you know? Every morning you wake up and you're like, man, all right, <laughs> I'm, I'm back against the wall. We don't have all our cards in our deck, but let's go get this done. Was there any one way that you kind of helped yourself pull through all that and to now? get back to here, here you are. You're ready to go get another job and get going. Yeah. You know, Jake, uh, first of all, you have to believe in yourself and you have to be true to yourself. I think that's first and foremost, you can't be somebody you're not. And then you have to create an environment with the players that there's accountability. And for me, every day I was going to bring the energy. And if there was a time I didn't, that's when I felt our team would fall off. So I took on full responsibility for the way the team was playing, whether it was good or bad and we, at that time, which was bad, but I never watched my players ever quit or give up because I tried to create an environment that, that was, Hey, it was very trusting. There was good conversation, but I'm going to hold you accountable to a standard. Now, if we're not good enough to meet the standard of winning, the players will know because we're going to do everything we need to do to put ourselves in position to do that. And if we're not, it's not going to be from a lack of preparation, uh, a lack of hard work or a lack of not knowing what the other team was doing. Maybe we're just not good enough, you know, and that's kind of the way I think some of the players felt. Uh, that's hardcore. Um, but you know, you, you got through it and, and on to bigger, better things. Now, Grant, when, when coach says bring the energy, I don't know if you understand quite what he's talking about, but I do because he was my QB coach my junior year. Prior to that, for a couple of years, he was a running back coach. Now, <laughs> I'd hand the ball off, and the running back would take it and go flying by. And then I had to be careful where I went because there was someone else flying by with them right up in the hole, <laughs> damn near toting the rock with them, and that was you, coach. You were uh, – you brought it so oh, yeah. hardcore, man. It was so fun to it was so fun to come out to the practice field with you. Uh, 
damn, I cried so hard when you left at ASU, but I knew, you know, in, in this industry, you got to go take advantage of your opportunities. But he ain't lying, Grant, when I say bring the energy because, you know, that's what he did. That's what you do the best, man. So keep it up. <laughs> Thank I you. It. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. I think that's what it's, I think what it's all about, man. When you're when you're coach, I don't care what you're coaching. It's when you when you actually bring it, when you bring in your energy and you're connected and your frequency is just it's shining. And uh, I know what it's like. I know it's like uh, to coach the game of football, be in the game of football, and also be a mental performance coach. Where, man, when you're just bringing the juice, man, you're bringing the the energy. It's just a it's an incredible feeling. So uh, I, I get it for sure. Now, one question I want to ask before Jake starts throwing some out-of-the-pocket questions at you. Coach, if, if you were talking to a young quarterback, say high school, maybe college quarterback, comes up to you and you're having a conversation, and they say, Coach, what do I have to do to be the best at this position? What would you say? I would First, I would tell them is who do they think is the best. Um, because one thing we've learned about young quarterbacks, they try to emulate people. Who is it that they're looking at um, that they think is the best player uh, that they kind of compare themselves to? And then if, you know, they tell you one of the great ones, is he willing to hold himself up to that kind of standard? Is he willing to take, you know, truly understand what it takes to be a great, great player in the National Football League or wanting to get to the National Football League? Because there's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of uh, tiring experiences that you go through to get there. The journey and the process is, is amazing. If you're willing to put in the work, um, because a guy's work ethic is what's going to get him there. Talent, talent will take you only so far. There's a lot of talented guys. I know now that's on the streets that has never had a chance to play, but if you have a desire, discipline, determination, and dedication, and willing to put in the actual work and you got to improve yourself at every level every year, then you got a chance to be uh, an elite quarterback. So, so the, the, my left tackle in my interview pocket here is just now missed the, missed the blitz. And I got to bust out of this pocket and, and ask some off the cuff questions. These don't have to require okay. much more than whatever you want to give me coach. So, Number one pick okay. aside, whatever. Who cares who has the number one pick, third pick, 10th pick, 21st pick? What QB in this year's draft are you taking if you could take any one of them? I'm taking Joe Barrow. There's no question. Okay. He, had, right. he had an I unbelievable like year. He's a Heisman Trophy. Yeah, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> I think he's got a chance, but uh, I think I'm going with Justin Herbert because – I think he's just a lump of clay who hasn't really been worked with yet. And I think he could turn it, turn into a quite a, under your tutelage, he could turn into what we, what you just talked about. One of the best QBs in the game. Let me throw another one at you here. Tom Brady, as you spoke of being the best, one of the, the best, most uh, you know competitive rounded, you know, all the, all the aspects and characteristics to look for in a quarterback. Should he stay or should he go? I think he should stay. And I say that because the coordinator that he's with is, uh, I mean, they're like magic together. And I think when it's like that, you want two guys that you can continue to mesh with. Now, do they need to get him some other toys to play with? Absolutely. But if I was him, I'd stay. Okay. I got just two more, Grant. Hold on now. I got right. two more. <laughs> any sport, any sport in the world, coach, any sport in the world 
that you could be a professional athlete in and play and be one of the best, what would it be? Basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the NBA. I feel <laughs> you. I love who. <laughs> okay. Okay, last one. You come in, the, you're at home. The wife comes home. Says, hey, honey, can you make dinner? What's your go-to meal when you got to come through? Baked chicken, baby. Baked chicken. <laughs> okay. And you can't just serve. You're telling me that I'm a quarterback. I can throw a deep ball. What do you got on the side? I need some scrambling ability and some, some rollout ability. What are you throwing on the sides? Chicken. Oh, I, I got some, uh, some uh, we call them uh, candy yams. I got some vegetables. Ooh, we got some, uh, yeah, we got some broccoli and a little cheese on it. We're, we're doing well. <laughs> I love it. All right. That's all I got, man. I had to step out of the pocket and wing it left-handed or throw it sidearm between two defenders and, if anything, make the coach cringe and go, what the hell was a great play, man? That kind of was what my career was all about. I love it. I got I got one one out of the pocket question, and I'm a Barry kid. So uh, when you were playing for, or when you were coaching the Raiders, man, it it for that year, I I'm not a Raiders fan, but you you definitely hooked me with your energy and just the the connection that you had with with Al Davis and just what you were doing. I thought you guys were going to head it into the, the horizon successfully. And so I used to get pumped up watching you with your uh, post-game interviews. And I can only imagine whether if it's the Raiders mm-hmm. or the other teams that you were coaching, what is the weirdest, stupidest, or awkward question that was asked when you were a head coach at any team? It wasn't probably the question that was asked. It was probably knowing that a guy had to go into the locker room, go into the bathroom and try to t- smoke a cigarette. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. A guy having anxiety and he thought the cigarette was going to calm him down. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you, you, you got it. Well, yeah, lost your mind. <laughs> wow. Wow. There are some wackos in that league and, uh, I played yes, with a lot of them. Are, coached with a lot of them, and you will coach more. So, enjoy that, coach. And uh, you know, I wish you the best. Uh, it's been fun watching your career. It's been a blast having you on In and Out of the Pocket podcast. Thanks for your time, man. And uh, you know, if there's you know if there's anything I can ever do, I'm always there to help you. And me and Grant have talked about that bond that football not only players have, but coaches have and just one year of you coaching me and here we are years later uh, you know those are unbreakable bonds and I cherish it and, and, and thankful for it and uh, wish you the best thank you Jake and that goes both ways buddy I appreciate the time thank both of you and Grant for the opportunity and look forward to uh, doing anything else I can do for you men in the future awesome thanks coach thank you